This episode contains discussion of domestic abuse. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Diora and this is Broccoli Book Club. As we mentioned in the last episode, we wanted to spotlight more than one author exploring elements of domestic abuse in their work. This episode features one of the most exciting writers to emerge in the last few years, Megan Nolan. Acts of Desperation is Megan's novel about obsessive, toxic love. The Irish writer's debut tells the story of a young and unhealthy relationship with passion, wit and insight. It's been described as a fearless, original and beautifully written study of love and shame by Neve Campbell. Megan stages the novel in Dublin, where an unnamed narrator takes us through the beginning, middle and end of an intoxicating romance with a man named Kieran. We see the relationship through the narrator's interior monologues, which touch on themes of codependency, addiction, self-harm and body image. Megan is best known for her personal writing and journalism and has been published in the New York Times, New Statesman, The Guardian, The Sunday Times and many more. I wanted to get stuck in, so I asked Megan how she came about writing a book like Act of Desperation. So I guess it was always the main thing I wanted to do in a sort of theoretical way. I mainly read fiction and I always have almost exclusively read fiction. So it was probably like what I would have liked to have done in an ideal world from the start of my writing career. But I didn't think I had that skill set. So I didn't really try to write fiction for quite a long time into my writing practice. Then I met my agent Harriet and she had heard me read an essay and we started like discussing ideas for books. And then one of the ideas was about like the themes that did end up being the sort of central themes of acts of desperation. But we were back then talking about it as like maybe a, a long form nonfiction book or something. And then when I started to try and do that, it felt really unsatisfying. And I realized I just wanted to create something really intense. So I thought the best way to do that would be with fiction. And would you say your writing style changed much when you were writing fiction as opposed to the non-fiction essays you write? Yeah, I think, you know, even though the non-fiction essays I was writing before the book, like occasionally they would be in literary contexts, like they would be in anthologies or whatever, but often they were journalism. Even if you call them an essay, it is still journalism and it's basically, <laughs> I mean, it's ostensibly kind of an opinion piece almost. So you are limited in like how poetic you can be, how like expressive you can be because people don't want to read a journalist being really OTT about things, basically. So, yeah, with the book, it was like, okay, now I'm allowed to emphasise things and to, like, exaggerate and to sort of lean into being a bit overwrought, you know? So that was mm. nice. Yeah. And how did you settle on the title, Acts of Desperation? I actually have no memory. I don't know why, when or why that happened. <laughs> It was quite early on, I think, because I do remember proposing a different title to Harry at my agent in maybe 2017. But I can't remember coming up with the title. It just like feels like it's always been there. So I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I thought it was a very deep story and in parts like what I thought was of an abusive and like toxic relationship. What were the themes that you were trying to get across? Before I started writing it, the main thing that I wanted to do in a book whether it was going to be fiction or non-fiction was to portray the sort of drive to disappear yourself for a romantic relationship 
And obviously I was writing that as a woman and about women doing that. Since I've written it, I don't know if that is specific to women. I think like actually a lot of men have contacted me since the book came out talking about their experiences of that happening to them. But I guess it is like a more culturally accepted thing for women to do that because, you know, obviously in the grand scheme of things, it's quite recent that women have been allowed to have lives that aren't marriage. So I think it's like just a bit ingrained in us more than it is in men to sort of sacrifice everything for a relationship. And then besides that, I guess a lot of the things that I now would consider themes like I didn't plan or like think about them at the time. That like time in your life after university or after your earliest 20s when you don't really have purpose to your life. And like, I guess that can like lead to a bunch of different things, some great and like some not wholly negative, but it also can be such a dangerous time when you find yourself like at a loss. And yeah, obviously the narrator in my book chooses to follow this man and see where that leads to her, basically. And who do you think you were writing for? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it would be a lie if I was like, for women, you know, like I, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> like, like obviously it's really lovely if, when women do get in touch and say that it has resonated or it's like made them consider their relationships but um it's not as though I started out wanting to like help people I was like kind of trying to like save my own life a bit basically like I didn't really have a lot going on for me when I moved to London and I sort of had it in my head that if I wrote a good book then I would have like some solid thing to give me some (laughs) self-worth so like where the narrator does that with her partner I sort of already tried and failed at that so I was like well I guess I better write a book then I mean, yeah, so it was for myself, really, but um, all the journalism that I was doing felt a bit unliterary to me and, like, my background in terms of what I like to read and what I eventually thought I'd end up writing as a child or whatever was literature and then felt like I'd strayed quite far from that path. So I was maybe trying to, like, prove something to myself by starting the book. I'm just curious, like, is kind of that toxic and slightly, like, abusive relationship pattern something that people have brought up as the most relatable thing in the book yeah I think the main thing probably that people have spoken about is that feeling of like not being able to understand it whether it's like actually abusive or just negative and like not good for your life but yeah that feeling of like being totally incapable of actually recognizing that while you're inside of it because of being in love driving you a bit insane basically is something that a lot of people have brought up. And as the narrator in the book has with her friends, you know, that you'll have friends who can see it so clearly and are trying to sort of be subtle about it, but kind of wanted to let you know. And it's not like so simple as to be like, oh, you deserve better girl or whatever. But it's like sometimes two people are bad for each other. I guess just off the back of that, like how has it made you feel that so many people felt so seen by the book and... The description of everything that happens within that relationship was just so like nuanced and accurate in so many ways. For me as a reader, really validating to read about something and be like, oh my gosh, it's not just me who's felt like this and it's okay that I've been through this experience. So how does that make you feel as an author that you've been able to tap into something so actually universal and people have been feeling great about reading this book? It's actually been surprisingly meaningful because, as I said, like I didn't think about who'd be reading it when I wrote it. So it's not as though like I had this in mind. I think if I had thought about it, who would be reading it in advance, I, I would never have written it really because it'd be too overwhelming. So yeah, when it did come out and people started reading it, well, I felt very exposing, but then also I felt personally moving that when anyone writes to me about it, I find it really interesting to know what they have related to in it. 
And obviously, like, the sort of debasement that the narrator experiences in the book is so embarrassing that, like, you don't really talk about it in your casual life. So it is interesting to hear that so many people relate to it because it feels very lonely when you're experiencing it. For our generation of women and girls, you're both sort of expected to be miles past that dynamic, but then also you're not really offered anything else in your formative years. So, like, you end up being really obsessed with men and relationships without any alternatives presented to you, but then also you're told that that's wrong at the same time. So I feel like it is a bit of a specific like moment in time for women to reckon with their romantic inclinations or whatever. And what was the writing process like itself? Was there anything you learned about yourself through writing this book? It was really sporadic. So I didn't like do it all the time or anything. It was over the course of three years, but I would often go months at a time without doing anything on it. And then I would try and take like a week or two and do it solidly. This sounds awful, but like I don't really like the book anymore on a personal level because I spend so much time with it. I'm not saying it's awful or anything, but you know, I've spent like an insane amount of time with it. So I can't really like think or look at it anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> or, or or talk about it on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to stop this right now, actually. Um, but like on a sort of um, removed level, apart from the actual content of the book, <laughs> I guess I am like impressed with myself that I, like I consider myself a very lazy person. And that's always been like a source of shame for me in my life, I guess. And so like even the fact I managed to finish it is something that is undeniable and happened in my life, which seems nice. You know, like, it wasn't like I had any money to do that with. Like, nobody gave me anything. I didn't have any grants or, like, book advances or anything. I think it's nice that I did that. And that's, like, something that I can be proud of now, you know. So I just want to know a bit more about you. So you've mentioned that, you know, you wanted to be a writer growing up. How did that journey begin for you? You know, did you write from a young age? Yes, yeah, so my dad is a writer. He writes in direct plays. He also didn't go to university. I started university but dropped out really quickly. So I didn't have any education past secondary school, really. And my dad never went and worked in bars for years and then was doing his theatre stuff in his spare time and then just started this sort of community theatre group and began to, like, make his own work for himself. So I suppose, like, I had that example in my childhood, which was really nice. And, yeah, I was just a huge reader. I was sort of, like, not to any unpleasant degree. but wasn't very good at, like, playing with other kids or, like, doing sports or whatever so I just read a lot Mm -hmm. and is there an author who has really influenced your writing I guess like Jeffrey Eugenides he's like very unapologetically sort of poetic and that and I liked that and I wanted to try and be a bit like that in my book and not to be too cool to do that you know yeah and what are the three books that you think have shaped your life sorry big question it's really hard because I feel like so many of them happen in a really brief period of time in your youth, you know? I would say Virgin Suicides, which I read when I was 11, which is way too young to read it. It just, like, turned up in the teenager section of our library one day by accident. So I read it at a sort of too young age, and it had a big impact on me. I guess it was probably the first, like, adult book that I read. And I wasn't sad yet then. Like, when I was 11, I wasn't, like, a depressed kid, really. But I found, like, the depiction of sadness very appealing in some way very intimate or whatever and then the second one there was a book around the time that I left school like 1819 the author's name is David Van he wrote this book that was sort of like an altered version of a true event in his life so I guess like the style of him doing that 
made me think about literature in a different way. Whereas he was writing like about quote unquote his father's suicide. It was called Legend of a Suicide. That's what it was called. But what he did was like write the actual events that led up to it, and then he like reversed it and wrote it so that in the story he David Van was the one who committed the act and his dad had to take care of it. Whereas in reality, it had been the other way around. And I found that like just mind-blowing that how effective that was, that you could take real events and make them into something different. It would mm-hmm. be an interesting way to like digest events, that you could like take something traumatic and basically like recast it for yourself. And then when I moved to London, my friend Claire gave me a copy of this Patrick McKay book called The Butcher Boy, which I just love. I think that was like, the last book that I was like, wow, this is going to, you know, change my writing and change my life. I think it came out in 1992, Irish writer. I don't really like fiction that's like really analytical and clever, really. I, I kind of like things that just have a huge effect. Mm-hmm. So it, it was very much that. Mm-hmm. And what are you reading currently, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I'm reading a book called White City by an Irish author called Kevin Power about a man who's leaving rehab, which was loosely based on a real case in Ireland where there was a sort of horrific national scandal where a bunch of private school boys had an altercation with another bunch of private school boys outside of a very rarefied sort of nightclub in Dublin and one of them ended up dying where it hadn't been a big brawl or anything it was just like a single punch death you know these things that happen it kind of became this weird touch point in Ireland because of the class thing that was attached to it and then I'm reading do you know this French author called Annie Ernaux she writes these like really slim incredible book called Simple Passion about an affair she had in her 40s I'm reading that. And then what else have I got on? Just started reading The Prophets by Robert Jones Jr. It's set in a plantation in, in the time of slavery and there's two like gay young men who are slaves and it's about the other people that they live amongst, like discovering that and that playing out. But it's really incredible, actually. So yeah, those are the three that I'm reading at the moment. Wow. So are you reading them all at the same time? I mean, two of those are novels, so I'll just kind of started both of them at the same time, but I'm mainly reading White City, the first one I discussed. Mm. But usually I'll have like a non-fiction one and a novel on the go at the same time. Yeah, yeah, no, um, same. (laughs) I think sometimes it's really nice to like break up the intensity of like a novel with just some non-fiction and the other way around as well because sometimes I find non-fiction can be like quite a lot of information to process yeah it takes me like such a long time to read non-fiction actually so yeah if I've like tackled a huge non-fiction book then I kind of have to read them all at the same time because otherwise I wouldn't finish a book in three months you know Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely well you also like mentioned quite a lot of Irish writers and I feel like it is a great time a very exciting time for Irish female writers amazing emerging writers such as Rachel Donoghue and Susanna Dickey is there anyone who's particularly excites you at the moment um I love Sarah Baum do you know her She's really amazing and she's a visual artist as well. And I just find her career very sort of aspirational in the nicest way of saying that word. She writes really great fiction, but she just has so many other things that she does as well. I find her really interesting. Um, I love Emer McBride. Obviously, that's not like a new person, but she's probably the main Irish female author that I think is currently making things that I love. Yeah, so I've got a few more questions. Do you have one writer, dead or alive, who you'd love to sit down with and pick their brain? Probably Graham Greene, actually. I find him very fascinating. And he was, like, dedicated to writing in a way that I find very admirable and, like, alien from my own experience, but, like, in a very, like, old-fashioned way almost. But his books are just brilliant psychological insights. I think 
any of the psychological insights in my book are like extremely labeled as such, whereas like his books are pure action, but they still have a really great effect in that way. Um, so yeah, maybe him, but also I think it would be really fun to hang out with Stephen King, basically. <laughs> I really love Stephen King and I think he's amazing. And I think he'd be a lot of fun to hang out with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's really interesting. So my final question is, so I've been told that you have a two book deal. So does that mean that you're writing another book right now? Yeah, so I've been working on that for a couple of months and then I'll be doing that for the rest of the year at least. But um, I'll hopefully have a draft finished in the next year. So yeah. Mm. And is there anything that you can say about this one right now? Like just maybe just like general themes or anything like that or no? So it centers around a crime that seizes the national tabloid attention and it sort of explores the effects of that on the people involved in the crime and the family who are involved that's so interesting are there any other projects that you're working on that you'd like to tell our listeners about yeah i wrote the libretto to an opera that's being filmed for the irish national opera in june it was initially meant to be a performance and it will be eventually but they're making a film because of covid Mm -hmm. stuff so yeah that'll be the next um thing coming out I want to say a huge thank you to Megan for coming on today's show. She's currently working on her next book, so look out for that. And thank you for listening to Broccoli Book Club. In next month's book club, we'll be discussing Eating Animals by Jonathan Safran Foa. So get reading now and send in your thoughts and comments via voice note to voicenotes at broccolicontent.com. Don't forget to share the podcast and join the conversation using the hashtag Broccoli Book Club. And if you liked what you heard, why not subscribe and leave a review on your favourite podcast app? I've been your host, Diora, and you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at The Diora. Broccoli Book Club is produced by Jarja Mohammed, assistant produced by Rory Boyle, executive produced by Renee Richardson, and mixed by Ben Williams. This is a Broccoli production.